Hello and welcome to Murder Analyzed, I'm Christina Moore. Now before I go into today's case, I just want to say a really big thank you to everyone that's subscribed to our channel, everyone that's watching these videos, um, I'm ecstatic really, um, so thank you for that and thank you for taking the time out of your day to watch our videos and also to comment and we've had some great comments and um, I'm really interested um, in what you've got to say and so sometimes as you can see when I write back they can be quite long um, answers and sometimes your your um, comments are long and I love it I love to hear about your lives and how this um, may help you may realize what's really going on out there in the real world so thank you for that I appreciate it and um, keep it keep it going thank you very much now today's case Again, I have to put a warning out about this case because this case, again, is about a paedophile. Now this, and it's a girl, it's a female paedophile, probably one of the youngest um, convicted paedophiles in the UK to date. She's not going to be the last, but um, it's, a, it's an interesting case, this. There's a mixture of stuff in this case. We talk about grooming in this case. We talk about... Um, a person or a female that probably started um, abusing children at the age of 16. We also talk about her background because her background is really important in this case. Then we look at the social aspects of someone of such a young age and how this could have contributed to her becoming a paedophile. You know, and this is theory as well because um, when we look at the sentences of the judge in this case um, I'm going to leave it up to you whether you agree with that or not from this girl so I'm going to tell you the whole case her background and um, I'm also going to not describe what she did to children because I don't do that but her children were as young as two she had 16 offenses against minors and they were very very young and they were neighbours children and some of these were siblings that she'd done this to she also took pornographic images of these children and of animals doing strange things and um, sent them out to other paedophiles so there's a lot to this case but then there's a lot of background story behind her so this time I mean I sometimes I find it very difficult difficult to hold back my emotions when it comes to these cases and as someone that's worked in the law for many years in some of these cases I cannot understand the judges or even the prosecutors sometimes of why they haven't tried harder or you know given out lenient sentences um, so I'm not going to say anything about this case I'm going to leave this one up to you because I think that um, this is going to start a big discussion and um, everyone's going to have an opinion on this case so it's quite an interesting case but it, there is disturbing content going to be in this case and I hope um, that you know take the warning if this case is not for you and the content within this video is not for you then switch off now so in 2019 Sophie Elms um, she was 18 at the time of her when she was sent to prison. She was um, convicted of, I think, 16 counts of um, sexual abuse of children with penetration. 
she also then um, was charged with distributing um, indecent images of children to many different paedophile men. And I think her way she distributed that was on uh, WhatsApp. So let's talk about now Sophie Elms, young girl that, as I think, probably started abusing children at the young age of 16. We've got this girl that was um, well-liked in her community, um, an ordinary girl. You wouldn't think this of this girl. She used to babysit for neighbours. She used to babysit for people. She, When she was about 12, 13, she was like many children of that age, young adolescents, that were going through issues of self-worth. She had low self-esteem. She didn't feel that she had many friends. She, um, I suppose when you start high school at that age and you, you move from where you may have been popular when you was in a, in a smaller school, like junior school, and then you move up to a large school, you then find it more difficult to keep the friends you've already made because everyone sort of goes off in their different directions. Your hormones are raging at this age as well. And a lot of teenagers at this age do get very depressed and start withdrawing um, from society and their friends. They get quite paranoid because the hormone imbalance can do that to um, kids of 11, 12, 13. And then we have these influences from outside coming in of these schools, the work gets harder at these schools, your image, you know, you think more about your image, your friends are dyeing their hair, and you just don't seem to fit in anymore, or so you think. And so this, I think, is what was happening to Sophie Elms. Her life, to her, all of a sudden changed. She didn't feel that she was worthy of anything. And I think at about 12, or nearly 13, one of her friends, or what she says is her friend, um, took her phone and put up on one of these dating sites a profile of her with this picture of her and said she was 22. Now, then they gave her back the phone. Now, the difficulty with that in is that you've got a child now, and she was a child, 12 and 13 year old, now on a dating style. Uh, site, looking young. And the problem is, what do you attract when that happens? So she never deleted this app though. So we don't know if what she's saying with this is true, but this is what she says happens, that somebody else put her profile up there, said she was 22, and then she started attracting men. And they wasn't men that you'd want your child or 13 to be associated with. At first, the conversation started quite normally. How are you? You know, nice to meet you. She never told them at the beginning that she was 13. She did though, after a while. By this stage now, she is now talking to four different paedophiles on this site, who are now saying, how pretty she is, how lovely she is. They're now boosting this girl's confidence. They're telling her everything she wants to hear. 
then it starts to go a bit strange. As with all paedophiles, the grooming now has started. They start off nice, telling you, making you feel comfortable, how pretty you are, how lovely you are. You're the best. And she starts to believe it because she's 13 and she's going through this stage in her life that she is uh, emotionally, I think, disturbed a little bit. She's not, not coping with being this teenager, these hormones that's going on in her body. She's not coping with this change. The parents at this point know nothing about what's going on. This girl seems to them much more happier. She's now to put on Facebook at that age that she has a boyfriend. People think, like her mother and her father, think that she's got a boyfriend of her own age. They don't see him and it's like, you know, most times at that age you have boyfriends and it lasts a couple of months and then you move on. And I think they thought that's what it was. But what she was talking about was these relationships online that she was having with four paedophiles. And by this stage, these paedophiles were now asking her to show herself, film herself with animals, doing stuff to herself. And then it starts to get worse because now they're asking her to abuse other children. And that's exactly what she did. So I know that she had been groomed and she had been groomed from a very young age. In this age that really, you know, this young adolescence when all this is going on, your first sexual encounters are now <laughs> through a phone, you know, phone sex, which is being recorded. You're sending out these images to WhatsApp to these men and these now photos are going viral because there's a lot more than four paedophiles out there watching what's going on with this girl. She's only in contact with four of them, but they are distributing these photos out now to a lot of people. And the more she does, the more they tell her how great she is, how beautiful she is. She's now in this relationship with them, even though she's never met them. So as she then starts to get a little bit older, she decides that she wants to be a childcare worker. Now my issue with this is, was it really her decision to want to go to college, you know, and at 16 and become a childcare worker? Or was it the influence of these paedophiles? And I think it was the influence of the paedophiles because what they wanted her to do was now take photographs of other very, very young children. And so she had already done that at 16. Once she'd started college, she was still doing this. Now she was doing this for a couple of paedophiles. Um, and I'll talk about these paedophiles in a little while long, a little bit later. But she was, she felt that you know, what she was doing at 16 and it has been said, and it's been said by her defence attorney or lawyer, that she was naive. She was younger than her years. Um, <laughs> you know, I've worked in law and I know when you have a client 
that you're going to try anything to get your client off. There wasn't many other people that said this about her. And I think, really, you can think, not that it wasn't true. She probably wasn't your standard normal 16-year-old that's, you know, hanging around with her mates, putting loads of makeup on, you know. No, she wasn't. She was a child of 16 that had been groomed up to from the age of 13. So yes, of course she was going to be different. But whether she was naive or whether she was, as they said, you know, not like your standard 16-year-old. No, she wasn't because the standard 16-year-old does not abuse children because someone online tells you to do it. So, you know, I understand it from a legal point of view and where this defence attorney was coming from, but I don't agree because there's no other evidence put in for that. Also, this girl got into college. She's now at college studying to be a childcare worker, to work with the most vulnerable children in our society because these now range from babies to four and a half years old. She had access on her placements to, for these children. It's shocking really, but I don't think she ever wanted to become a childcare worker. I think it was the influence from the paedophiles. She never actually, um, as far as I know, um, got as far to do anything on them placements to them children because they have protocols now and uh, quite high protocols in uh, childcare centres and it's very, very difficult. One now you can't have film you know, cameras and stuff and there's a lot been going on, a lot of phones, you, you can't have phones on you. You know, there's a lot of things been put in place to stop you, to stop anybody, man or woman, getting to these children while they're meant to be in this safe environment. But I think what's so shocking about this case is when you train to be a childcare worker, you train in all different areas, child development, you know, um, <laughs> hygiene, um, uh, so much, so much goes into it. I'm not a trained childcare worker, but I have done courses and taught courses on safeguarding. And now safeguarding is a legal requirement. So yes, we can say that from the age of 13 to 16, she didn't know what she was doing was wrong. You know, if you want to stretch this as far as you can stretch it, that's what you could say. Do I think that a standard 16 year old wouldn't know what they were doing to them children? Wouldn't be wrong? No, but let's, you know, we'll, we'll give, her, give her some grace. When you're 16 and you start a college and you start then to, before you can even go into a placement of a um, day centre or a nursery, whatever you want to call these um, centres for young children, you have to do safeguarding. And as I said, it's a legal requirement. And I've taught these courses. I've taught these two days. I've done talks on safeguarding children. So I know what goes into these courses. So at that point, this girl should have known what she was doing was wrong. And she didn't. She must have known at that point she was being groomed or had been groomed. She never told anybody. But what she did do is then continue, even after all this training, 
to go on and abuse more children, to take terrible, terrible, indecent images of children in situations where there was actual penetration of these children. And some of these children were siblings and they were people, her neighbours, people that knew her, that allowed her to look after her children. And she abused that trust and she abused the trust of them children. <laughs> some of these images are terrible, but she didn't just take photographs, she filmed them. And in one of the films, the child was screaming in pain at what she was doing to these children, just to, <laughs> for some sexual gratification for the paedophiles that she was involved in. So it's at that point when I think even if you take the law out of it, you're now 17 going on 18, you've done all this training, you're working in childcare, that's what you're telling people that you want to be, you want to give your life to looking after other people's children, enough that they would trust you, feel, you know, you're the perfect babysitter, aren't you? You're young, you're not a person that's got loads of boyfriends coming round, you're putting yourself across as being this perfect, perfect person, and yet you are the most terrible paedophile there is. And I think the thing is with Sophie Elms, that her background from childhood up, her parents, there was nothing, nothing wrong. She wasn't brought up in an abusive home. Actually, she was brought up in a very good home. These were very, very good parents to her. She was brought up in an area, I think, in Swindon. Um, and, you know, where she felt supported, not only by her neighbours and her, you know, her family. There was nothing apart from this thing when she was um, groomed at 13 up by these paedophiles. So I think the question is for you when you when we finish looking at this case is we I understand and I think you're going to see it there at one point yes she was also a victim but she is definitely a perpetrator and I think when you hear the judge later on and I'll speak about what the judge says and the sentence he gave her I don't know if you're going to agree with that or not, so I'm going to leave that bit up to you. But for now, I want to go on to these perpetrators, um, these other perpetrators, who groomed her. So now we have this paedophile named David Gearing, and another paedophile named Stephen Merritt. Now, <laughs> it's difficult for me to say this, because David Gearing was detective, a murder detective with the Metropolitan Police for many, many years before he was convicted um, of um, sexual offences against children. Also Stephen Merritt was a lawyer. Uh, again, he was jailed in 2019 in, in Bristol. Uh, he got more than 13 years in prison for sexual offences. So these are two of the four men that we know of that she was um, being groomed by and also sending out indecent, indecent images of children too. 
and they were eagerly encouraging her to do more and more sadistic stuff. I think she did do things to animals in there as well. And, um, you know, but these were extreme pornographic images of children. These were class A images or grade A. Extreme. The worst kind of abuse on a child that you could imagine that this girl was sending out to at least these two. And so the sort of crimes that they wanted her to do, and this is what she was charged with, was um, she pleaded guilty to sexual assaults, and I think these are on two young siblings, two young girls, two siblings, uh, of sexual assault by penetration. Uh, two charges of sex, sexual assault by touching. Four charges of taking indecent images. Six charges of distributing um, indecent images um, of the two and two charges of possessing extreme images. So she wasn't just distributing out, she was keeping them. She was keeping them and sending all these out. And these two, we have now an ex-detective, murder detective. So you can imagine, and a lawyer, because as lawyers we can try and hold the room. So I can imagine at 13, at these two men really talking this girl in to doing what they want her to do. They would have overpowered her with their knowledge and their uh, ability to handle the situation. These paedophiles knew what they were doing when they found this girl. They knew exactly what they wanted her to do. And she did it. She didn't tell anybody. She didn't, never told anybody. No one knew. And how she was caught was when they was looking at David Gearing and I think at um, Stephen Merritt, they realized that they had two quite serious pedophiles here on their hands. And what did they find? They found indecent images of these children sent by Sophie Elms. And that's how she was caught. So again, she wouldn't have been caught unless these had been caught. Because who suspects that the 16, 17 year old, because she was 17 when she was arrested, 18 when she was sentenced, would do these crimes. You see, in England, we don't think, you know, we think of paedophiles as men. We don't even think of women as being this um, capable of even murder, some people. You know, it's difficult for us to believe. I don't think we've got a great history of knowing what to do when it comes to child murderers or child paedophiles. You know, I, I don't think our system is set up for that. I don't think any system is set up for it. America, actually, um, treat them the same way as they treat an adult. You know, and when you think that she was 18 when she went to court, she was an adult. At 16 years old in this country, you can get married. You can join the army. So she really, I agree that in this case, she was an adult. They she was tried as an adult anyway, and she needed to be. But this gearing, this prolific 
paedophile was, I think, the instigator behind everything. But don't forget, she did it. He may have instigated it. He may have incited her to do it. But she did it. So this David Gearing, this police officer, this murder detective from the Metropolitan Police. I mean, how embarrassing for them. You have now someone that's been a police officer for a very long time and he was 59 year old at the time. He was first jailed for two and a half years in 2008 and that's when he lost his job for taking indecent images, images of children. Um, following his release from jail, because they always get released, he moved, um, I think, I think when he first came out of jail in 2008, he lived in St Albans in Hertfordshire and then he moved to Shropshire. Um, and um, this man also had a wife and children. But I think once he moved to Shropshire, I'm not sure whether the wife went with her. Um, I think maybe, because these people are very, very manipulative. Again, though, he was arrested and, uh, later on after this case as well. And not only for this case, but for other crimes and he was um, sentenced to 15 years for um, sexual um, abuse against children and also um, distributing um, decent images of, of children of grade A. So the judge told Sophie Elms that because he felt, I suppose I'm, I'm shortening down what he said, because he felt that she was groomed as a child and that she wasn't, I suppose, fully responsible, that the responsible responsibility also lay with David Gearing and the others. He halved her sentence, and that's why she got 10 years, uh, seven years and 10 months, because he halved her sentence. Now, I do have issues with this sentence, because what are we saying to people? We've had other cases like James Bolger, you know, and we've tried to reform people because he said in here, you're going to have the best treatment and you're going to, you know, you're going to have a life license and never be able to work in a nursery again. You know, but we live in a world of online everything, you know, virtual everything. Do I think that it was only because she was groomed. I think it started as that. I think it did. But I think when we bring into the training that she had with safeguarding children and where she never made any attempt at that point to stop, to, um, you know, tell anybody that she had been groomed and, you know, she could have admitted to them charges then and she wouldn't have got half as long and you could have understood it then. But now after the fact, you're saying that you found it difficult to get a boyfriend and so you set up the relationship with these men and you continued this relationship with these men and you allowed these men to dictate to you to abuse children. You know, take, take the law out of it. Let's think about morally here. You know, what would an in-law we do look at? What would a normal person do of the same age you know and the same circumstances I don't know if they would do that so this comes down to a moral thing this comes down to someone that
that put men or her feelings of these men and her infatuation with these men above the lives of children because these children may not have been murdered but these children were young these children were harmed these children still have nightmares or night terrors about what's gone on you've ruined lives you've ruined your own parents lives because now they can't even open their curtains in their home you've ruined these parents of these children's lives because as one parent said they're living a life sentence here they can never forget they can never forget and don't forget in court they would have been told and seen what happened to their children they feel devastated and I think one police officer said on here that the family would be happy you know and they are getting counselling and the police have been very good with them so I'm not slating the police but they would be happy to know that this girl could never work with children again I think they would have been happier to know that this girl got a full sentence for what she did no matter what the age and that when she's then released that then she could go on to um, not being able to work with children this case is a strange case isn't it I did say it's got a lot in it about this girl you know you had a girl now that wanted to work with children that was going to be her life's ambition to work with children and we have to think why but I think what this case also brings up is do we really know what's going on in our children's lives it's difficult isn't it because we live so much on this virtual world where we're texting where we're doing this we're doing that all day but 12 13 year olds if this is now the way that these paedophiles are moving in and grooming young children to make them abuse other children i think we need to be more aware of what's really going on out there and so if this case does nothing else it should highlight ask your kids check their phones because you never know because in this case no one ever knew that she was being groomed by four different paedophiles for all them years not anyone and so if David Gearing hadn't been caught nor would she have and she would have been now been working in a daycare centre and maybe looking after one of your children what a terrible fault really so this has been the Sophie Elms case 2019 Swindon UK uh, one of the youngest paedophiles the UK has ever seen if you found this case interesting you know what to do you can put your thumbs up you know hit that thumbs up button you can leave comments as you usually do and I'll be looking forward to seeing some of these ones you can subscribe to where Lacey you know puts the logo up there to subscribe but as I say you can subscribe anyway through these videos at any point you'd like but she does like me to say about her logo up there um, you can also follow us on Instagram and on Facebook so again thanks for watching till the next time bye bye